1: Arches and Halos, professional brow grooming. Be bold, be you. Xfinity XFi is more than just fast. It's internet that gives you peace of mind security. Because if it's connected, it's protected. Yeah, even your robot vacuum. Can your internet do that? Learn
2: more at xfinity.com slash XFi. Hey, this is Emily. And this is Bridget. And you're listening to Stuff Mom Never Told You. Today, we are tackling a topic that is near and dear to our hearts, as usual, and we really learned a lot through the research of this one, because today we're talking about women and ADHD, which I mistakenly called ADD for many, many years. Same, same. Um, but come to find out, ADHD is the, the proper way to talk about the mental disorder formerly known as ADD. <laughs> <laughs> like it's Prince. Like it's Prince. <laughs> exactly. Uh but we're really excited to talk through why, on so many levels, gender plays a huge role in the diagnosis of and treatment of dealing with ADHD and really how women experience this in, with very different symptoms than our male counterparts and are amongst a huge population of people who are getting diagnosed more and more um, and being treated with medication for ADHD like at skyrocketing rates right now.
3: Yeah, and I think what's so interesting about this topic is that I feel like it's one of those things where everyone knows someone who this impacts, like whether it's you Definitely. or a friend or a family member. Um I was diagnosed with ADHD when I was pretty young. Um it's not something that uh plays a huge role in my life as an adult, but um I think I've mentioned on the show before that my mom is a pediatrician yeah. and so she was very um, you know, particular about our seeing doctors and specialists. Right. We were the family that like if you
2: coughed, my mom, like, had a doctor. Well, I'm a hypochondriac, <laughs> so I wish I had that. My yeah. mom, the nurse, was like, if you're not hemorrhaging, you're fine. <laughs> and I'm like, no, let me go to all the specialists. Yes, that's yes. hilarious.
3: Um, but yeah, so I was uh, medicated pretty early. I think I was in, wow. like, eighth grade. And I was on medication until around high school when my parents were like, you know, you're getting to be older now. Oh. If you want to stay medicated, you can. But if you want to wean off of it, you can do that, too. And that's what I chose to do.
2: Wow. So have you been off that medication since? Yeah,
3: I, I've been off of it since like late high school. Um, and, you know, I think I had a little bit of a rough time getting, like getting out of high school. Like that was really tough for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I feel like as an adult, like it's
2: just, I, I have my like means of coping that, that seem to work well yeah and that's a big part of what the research found right so let's wow i'm i'm fascinated by your take on this bridget because i had no idea coming into this topic um that you had such a personal connection to it so so walk me through let's let's sort of go back to the very beginning and see i always thought of adhd as something i associated with hyperactive voice right and so that's very common and so with
3: uh so boys, you know, one of the things about ADHD is that it tends to be diagnosed by, like, teachers in, like, grade school. Yeah. And so teachers, because of that, like, they have a real association sometimes with, like, hyperactivity being something that is a, an issue for little boys, boys and in school. So, you know, and then like in the 70s when ADHD and ADD was first being studied by psychiatrists and like mental health professionals, it was really like affluent, um, middle class white families who were taking their, their, particularly their sons in to get diagnosed for this. And right. so, Subsequently, we really think of it as a little boy's disorder and that like, it's a disorder that we associate with boys and with maleness. Totally. And one of the reasons why that is so telling is because for women and for girls, the symptoms look very different. And so, you know the expression, like, the squeaky wheel gets the grease. Like, if mm-hmm. you're in a classroom and you're a teacher and you're seeing, like, oh, my my little boy students are noisy, they're out of their chairs, they're hyperactive, they're probably going to be the ones that get focused on. Meanwhile, right. the girl student who is has the same disorder, because it presents itself different and it manifests itself in a different way that doesn't look like, you know, fidgeting or being impulsive or being disruptive or, or whatever – that student is, is more likely to sort of, um, go through the cracks. With boys, it's, you know, ADHD manifests itself in like hyperactivity, impulsive behavior. For girls, it's much more likely to look like scattered, disorganized, unfocused, mm. but like um, internally,
2: it's correct, very quiet, like internal, exactly, mulling over their own habits and and stressing out, exactly, silently, and it's that is like sad. completely me when I was that was like com- completely the kind of kid I was yeah. growing up. Um, but and
3: girls are much more likely than boys to develop like these internal coping mechanisms of like trying to keep it all together, and so it is a, a it is like a sense of. Internal silent struggle and just trying to keep it all together until you
2: like can't. Right, and that that sounds like such an isolating and scary and anxiety provoking way to go through your diagnosis. And it, it just it it's challenging to me because I think of girls and women as the more communicative mm-hmm. gender in in a lot of fronts, but. The research here says that women are less likely to be diagnosed because, quote, as girls, they just don't look like what people think of when they picture ADHD. This is according to Dr. Jerry Markle, and really... This is exactly the experience that my little sister had, which was internalizing those symptoms as being personal failings. Right. Of, like, really saying, I'm just lazy. I'm I'm lazy. I'm dumb, right? Like, women, according to
3: the research, women are much more likely to negatively internalize the symptoms of ADHD as, like, oh, I'm a failure. And I do think that, like, plays into how we think about, you know, gender in general, that, like, women are supposed to be... You know,
2: have it together, be organized, um. Ty- more likely to be type A. Correct, correct. More likely to be multitasking and juggling. Totally. Like women have a reputation of being the more organized gender. Totally. And that totally disconnects for women dealing with ADHD or little girls dealing with it. And I think it's, I mean, it's just one of those ways that like gender
3: complicates, like, like using that lens of gender really complicates what these, what these women are going through, what these young ladies are going through because you know, we, we, as women, we put such high standards on ourselves and like, you right. know, you have to be the perfect weight, look the perfect way, act the perfect way, right.
2: all of that. And it's just one more way that like that line of thinking just like fails us. Yeah. It's, it's much more nuanced than that. Definitely. And what I found really fascinating here is that symptoms of ADHD increase, I'm sorry, decrease for boys as they grow up into men, but the opposite is true for girls. So these, Girls who might have developed coping mechanisms throughout high school and dealt with it in in one way or another through college when there is some semblance of structure in our lives um, often experience greater levels of anxiety and stress and depression And really the symptoms of ADHD as they grow up and their roles expand to encompass things like balancing relationships, caring for children and trying to keep it all together at work and at home. And you know me, I'm obsessed with the whole work-life balance conversation in this country and how flawed it is on so many levels. And this really opened my eyes to the ways in which, you know, mental health needs to be a bigger part of the conversation as well.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's so true. And I also think in terms of, like, how lives are structured, when you get to be about your mid-20s as yeah. a woman, that's when you start to have a lot of your, you know, a lot of your, like, big life milestones. And it's... it's Those so are so the milestones. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. you're told. Right. Um, and those are the milestones that really play into things like, you know, time management, being right, organized. Right, and it's right. like, if you have these coping mechanisms that really help you get through the structure of college life, you know, living on a dorm, all of that... When you graduate and you start to sort of hit these other milestones, that's when these things can really fall apart. And a lot of the women who deal with ADHD later in life just describe it as like, you know, I was coping, I was holding it together until one day I couldn't. Yeah. Did you feel that way? Um, I think I did. I think I I I, I felt that way in some in some respects. I think for me, my biggest thing is that like kind of like what you were saying earlier, like I always just thought, you know, I'm just really disorganized, I'm just really um, you know, someone who is like a little bit flighty, like I, I, I kind of like <laughs> thought of it as like a personality
2: thing yeah, and then like work.
3: You know, no, I think that it was helpful knowing that I had ADHD, like pretty much since I was really young was right. really helpful in, ter- in terms of like not internalizing it in a very negative way. Right. Cause like I just knew like, you know, I'd been seeing a neurologist for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, yeah, it just, it just wasn't something that I because it was such a something that was so, you know, ingrained in me from an early age, mm. it was not something that I had a lot of like negative feel or I I learned to not have negative feelings
2: about it. Right, which I think is a really healthy way to develop your sense of self without without being so critical of totally. yourself. I've got a question about the diagnostic. Can we talk about that for yeah. a second? Because I was just talking through um this situation with my little sister who is less than a month in to treatment for ADHD. Wow. So she just got diagnosed. And I asked her, and I think we can talk more about the judgment that comes with medication in a second, but I was talking with her about her perceived judgment there, and she mentioned really quickly how she got diagnosed, and I said, whoa, 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 take me back to that, because there were questionnaires, there were quizzes, there were visual response tests, there was like hearing response tests, and they were, they were really, there was a very robust, um, diagnostic being used by her ADHD specialist that she went to to diagnose this. Um, But as we came to find out in the research here, even that very nuanced and clinical diagnostic tool has a gendered component. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. You know, it's like
3: anything else, I feel like because it's so kind of like tilt skewed toward men, men? and yeah. boys it's like women just sort of like can easily fall through the cracks and i think that's true for
2: heart disease exactly i like, was going to say the, yeah stress all the stress all the research we, we've been looking at all of the research is
3: done for like for lack of a better word what like heck? male bodies what? and like why? women are just and it doesn't mean like we understand why that makes no sense when it comes to physical ailments right like women's bodies are different than men's bodies you know etc. But I think it's harder to wrap your head around it when it's something that's not physical. Oh, right. Why Psychological. That's, Right.
2: Oh, good point. Yeah. I wonder if folks in the medical field listening to this can tell us, like, is there a movement towards sample size being 50-50 gender split? Like, can we start taking research in the direction of only using test samples on, like, People that are both male and female, and and I would argue like along the whole spectrum, yeah, of like gender. non-binary yeah. folks, yeah.
3: I mean, I I think why that do we do that? That's we crazy. should be doing that, and I think that like it's. I feel like this is going to be one of those things where I mean, and I'm I'm no doctor, so like write it if I if I <laughs> say claimer, this wrong, This yeah. is not this is not Dr. medical Todd. advice. <laughs> this is not doc. This not is not my the doctor. Todd, we can right. get a doc, we, we get my mom in here. Yeah, we could. Um, we'll, have would, a,
2: we'll have a call in, Doctor Todd. Future. Yeah, she
3: yeah. would. You guys would love her. She's amazing. I have no doubt. Um. But no, so I think that like, I wonder if this is going to be one of those things where later we realize we've done, we've done bodies a great disservice by mm. like discounting them and letting the, letting their issues, their particular like medical yeah. and emotional issues kind of like go unstudied in a, in a, in an individualized way, if that yeah, makes sense. I
2: totally think it does. And so what we found here is that one criteria of the ADHD Um, diagnostic and statistical manual, which was published by the APA, the American Psychiatric Association. One of the criteria for diagnosis was that symptoms appear Mm -hmm. by age seven, which is true for boys and totally not true for girls for whom ADHD tends to manifest in the term, in the form of the symptoms we discussed later on in life. And especially as estrogen levels increase, in the right? Body, which is this correlation between ADHD symptoms and estrogen in the body. Totally. And so with boys, it's, I think that we, it, that plays totally into how we think
3: about it because the idea is that like, oh, a boy will like, quote, grow out of it. And in fact, that line of thinking is doing a great disservice to these, these young ladies and women right. who are like, in fact, growing into it. Mm. Um, and so I just think it's, it's kind of interesting and I, and I, I want to get more into sort of, How ADHD looks in women and the sort of skills that women have to deal with it. And I think that we should do that after a quick break.
1: This episode is brought to you by China. The China brand provides premium disposable tableware to celebrate moments of togetherness.
0: Yes. And right now, that is more important than ever, especially when we're all apart. So recently, I had a group and we had a, a socially distanced Arches and Halos Professional Brow Grooming Be Bold Be You.
3: We were just talking about the symptoms of ADHD and how they manifest themselves in women and girls mm-hmm. and again I mean this is a topic that we both have such personal ties to and I think um kind of knowing that has been yeah. sort of an interesting way to frame this discussion that's you know it's research driven but it's also very personal.
2: Right. I hope that's coming through at least because I really just witnessed my little sister go through this from a distance. She's in her she just wrapped up her first year of college at Smith. Um shout out to Smith. And <laughs> and it was really hard to watch as her big sister from afar as she was struggling academically and struggling to Keep it all together in an environment without the structure that my mom and dad have provided previously. And I have to say, like, I'll be the first to admit that I had a little bit of judgment because I had trouble relating to my little sister's experience when she would say things like, I'm just lazy. I'm just disorganized. And I'm thinking, I'm, you know, you're just addicted to your phone. Like so many of us right. are, um, that when, you know, I I definitely am part of the problem in terms of women who face judgment for, I don't want to say coming out as ADHD, but, but like, like, for seeking treatment yeah. and asking for support. And I think it's a testament to how brave my little sister really is and how fiercely independent she really is to say she took charge of her health. She, like, really made it a priority, which is part of the challenge here, right? Definitely. Because if you're not feeling super capable of being organized, like making your health care a priority right. takes organizational skills. So it's very meta, but she made that a priority. She got a real diagnosis. It took months. And the doctor that she was working with for the diagnostic said, well, what's your GPA? And she said, I'm, I have a 3.3 at Smith. And he's like, why are you even here? Well, that's so fascinating because so
3: that's textbook, what? right? Like that's so common. Um There's a really great article in the Atlantic um where the writer um, comes to Basically, it's all about how she got diagnosed. Yeah. And she says that when she told her friends that she had ADHD, they basically laughed at her. And this is what she says. She says, of course, her friend said, of course you don't have ADHD. You're smart, a friend told me. Right. Definitively, before switching to a far more compelling topic, medication. So you're going to take Adderall and become super skinny? Are you going to sell it? Are you going to snort it? Oh my and so God. it's this idea that, like, it's one of those things that for women, if you're at a good college and you get good grades, people think that you can't. But, but like, you've got to be whole. A- or right. something.
2: Yeah, or... Well, uh, yeah. Right, I see what you're saying. They, like, assume that you feel organized. Exactly, exactly. And mm. so for me, I mean, I got decent
3: grades in school, and I, I enjoyed going to school, and that, like, because of that, it seemed like, like I, it must all be fine, I must be very right together, but people don't see the internal work that it takes to sort exactly. of cope with that. that it looks very, it like... It
2: looks different externally. Exactly. It and looks like nothing externally. Exactly. And that, I feel like that's right. so
3: gendered of, like, uh-huh. you know, never let them see sweat. And I think yeah. um it's a, it's a disorder that I think folks can feel a bit judgy about because yeah. it's like anyone can show symptoms of having ADHD. Like, if you've ever forgotten you your keys yeah, or missed right. an appointment, it feels like it's very overdiagnosed. It feels like it's something that, like, oh, people are like, oh, I have ADHD. Give me drugs, please. Like Yeah, performance enhancing Exactly. Exactly, exactly. Basically. And like, you know, there's certainly a pop culture, um, pop culture Perception, thing where it's like, yeah. oh, the overachieving um, female. Like, I'm thinking of, if you ever watch the show Community, the character of yeah. Annie, who, like, is super, <laughs> you know, organized and together. And yeah. then, like, later it's revealed the reason that, like, you know, she, clearly she's a high performer, mm. but the reason that she's at a community college and not, like, Harvard is because she has ADHD and that when she was in high school, she got really, really into her ADHD medications and, like, flunked out. And so this wow. idea that, like, girls or women who are who get ADHD medication and seek treatment, one, that they're sort of like just falling back on this like very convenient crutch. diagnosis yeah. as a crutch. And then two, that, is that they're getting drugs to like abuse them. Wow. And certainly, I think that like, at least in my college, um, abusing ADHD drugs was like a very common thing Definitely. at my college. Like, Ditto. yeah, it was like, a very common thing, but that doesn't mean that like if you are someone who is like seeking treatment yeah. for this and needs it medically that like you should be associated with folks who are like taking it recreationally or like don't right. actually need
2: it. Which I think does a disservice to those who do need it. Totally. And I think it's time we all check ourselves on that a little bit because putting this episode together really helped me check that bias because it's It's hard to understand what someone else is going through in their own mind. And that's when I asked my sister to describe the before and after. And keep in mind, she's less than a month into her treatment. But I said, tell me what it felt like before. And this is not something I'd asked her before because I was looking for visible symptoms. I was looking for, you know, failings or Mm -hmm. external validation for her diagnosis. And instead, what I should have been asking her And thankfully, this podcast episode helped me do so was, well, what was your mind experiencing? Mm. What what were you feeling like? And what she told me was, frankly, it just felt really noisy in there. And I had a lot of open tabs all the time. And I wasn't just thinking about one thing at a time ever. I was thinking about lots of different things at a time. Now with medication, it's like night and day. Whatever I'm doing, I can at least zoom in on that one tab and really focus on that that one tab.
3: Yeah, that, like, shout out to your sister for that, like, beautiful (laughs) description, because that's exactly what it is. Like, having ADHD is sometimes can feel like, like, you know, when you have way too many windows open uh, on on Chrome, like, it's like that, like, um, and it's interesting. I mean, like, again, it's so internal that it's like easy to, to not see what it looks like from, like, from the outside, someone like, you know, your sister is at a good college, has a good GPA. Right, right. It's very easy to be like, oh, she's got it all together.
2: Mm. And we have to keep in mind that this is a serious disorder that can in many ways snowball into more serious problems from a mental health perspective. And I thought this quote was really important for women and girls. Quote, women with ADHD are more likely to internalize the negative experiences associated with their ADHD And many report feeling that they're broken, flawed, or stupid. Girls with ADHD show higher rates of anxiety, depression, eating disorders, self-harm, and suicide attempts as they move into adolescence. And women who have gone undiagnosed are more likely to have experienced divorce and unemployment and to suffer from poor self-concept. So we we have to be more empathic when we're talking about AD, ADD, ADHD, whatever you want to call it, um, especially when it comes to not judging our female friends and family members who might be suffering with this. So we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to list off some of the warning signs to watch out for. If this episode is resonating with you, we're going to show you sort of a checklist to keep in mind um, that might make you want to go talk to a professional about this, but we'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors.
0: This episode of Stuff Mom Never Told You is brought to you by HelloFresh. Get fresh pre-measured ingredients and mouthwatering seasonal recipes delivered right to your door with HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. HelloFresh lets you skip those trips to the grocery store and makes home cooking fun, easy, and affordable.
4: It's the game pretty much everybody's talking about. Morgan number 2 plays it sometimes before we start the show. You know, it really challenges your brain with the fun puzzles, but it's also a very casual game, so it won't stress you out, which is perfect these days, right? What's great is you can use the game as a way to connect with your friends and your family, all while social distancing. The game is so much more than your average mobile puzzle game. It's five-star rated with over 100 million downloads, Apple App Store, or Google Play. That's friends without the R, Best Fiends. Check it out. I do think you'll like it. Friends without the R, Best Fiends.
2: And we're back, and we want to talk through some of the warning signs to watch out for, questions to ask yourself if you think that you or maybe someone you love is maybe silently suffering with ADHD, which they don't have to continue silently suffering with.
3: Exactly. I mean, that's my whole point is that if you feel like you're feeling overwhelmed or you feel like you, you, this sounds like you, like you can take your, you know, mental health in your own hands and sort of prioritize dealing with it. Yeah. Um, and so this is a little bit of a, a checklist from Attitude Magazine on some ways that folks with ADHD are feeling. And so I just want to read a couple of them. And if it sounds like you, I would encourage you to, you know, talk to your medical health professional and, you know, do some digging. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you feel overwhelmed in stores, at the office, or at parties? Is it impossible for you to shut out sounds and distractions that don't bother others? Is money, paper, time, or stuff dominating your life and hampering your ability to achieve your goals? So I just want to pause there because, mm-hmm. like, for me, it's interesting how it manifests itself because for it looks so different for so many people. Yeah. But for me, it's yeah. like, um, like paper, stuff. like physical mail, I cannot deal with. Like, if I don't open it and throw it away right away it will pile amount, up and, and it's like a overwhelming exactly
2: exactly that's so, what my little sister described too is this inability to pack she mm-hmm. talked about packing being extraordinarily stressful packing is terrible because, for me like having to start something that feels so unwieldy and impossible was overwhelming
3: yeah for me. and i gotta say something again like i'm gonna get into this in a more in a little bit but you know i i, I hate it when people have these sort of like Dumb cutesy, like well, this helped me, but something that really into it, girl. Yeah, I'm gonna get into it. So again, like don't don't like write it and be like, well, that's a dumb idea because this worked for me and like is something that I found very therapeutic. And if it doesn't work for you, cool, because it might not. Right. Um, but something that really helped me kind of like deal with that, and this sounds ridiculous, but cooking. So when I like something about the idea of having to like plan a meal look at your fridge and be like, I have X, Y, and Z. I want to make this recipe and I need, you know, this, that, and the other. Having to plan that out, go to the store, get the things on that list – Plan out a block of time. Like, uh-huh. it's almost, it's so therapeutic to me. It's almost like a meditative exercise no way. because it's like, I have to, and again, I mean, the stakes are so low that if I mess it up, like, the biggest thing that happens is I have to order a pizza. I cry
2: on the regular. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. Oh,
3: I, that's actually happened to me. I once burned chicken in a slow cooker and I was like, <laughs> did you know you could burn things in a slow cooker and, like scorch it? I came back and I was like, I have been bragging all day about this yeah. meal I was going to cook and I was like, wait, it's completely scorched. And I was so, I felt so ashamed. Um, but yeah, so something about, Cooking and having to do all of the time management and like budgeting that goes into cooking a good meal, like a full meal. Yeah. I have found a good way to sort of practice, you know, dealing with time and stuff and being a little bit organized. And it's a, it's a, been a a great help to me. Do you feel like it's like a
2: muscle that you can develop? I, that's how, that, I mean,
3: again, this is just me. So, you know, your moment may vary. Yeah. But like, yeah, I do feel like that when I, like when i have a stressful day and yeah. i feel like i've had a day where like i you know yeah. everything got away from me i didn't answer any of the emails yeah. i didn't take any yeah. of the calls yeah. like when I go home and cook a meal, something about that makes me feel in control again, right? Like, I like that it reminds is. me, like, I can do this. Yeah. I can, like, look at an hour and be like, okay, this, this has got to go in by this time to eat at that time.
2: Like, it's like a reminder I, that yeah. I can do it. I appreciate your Instagram food posts now more than ever. <laughs> and I also want to say that we have opinions on the kinds of advice that women dealing with ADHD tend to sometimes get, too. Is this why you hate that book that... How to like clean up. Tidy and, up? Oh, and exactly. De- that's Exactly life. it.
3: So like I yeah. have a problem. <laughs> I feel like women are given such particular advice when they are dealing with like real stuff. And right. so I feel like that's like, like,
2: feelings around clutter, for right. instance. Yeah, like, so I, I am
3: I am a, I am a clutter bug. Like i <laughs> you're a if book. you see my apartment like it's really cluttered. And like this idea of like, well, if you just tidied up your apartment, you would feel better. Like What is
2: that Japanese yeah. book, The Magic what is it? The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up by Marie Kondo. That thing went crazy viral. Was hugely viral. And I viral. remember you looking at that book and being like, ugh, I hate that. I
3: don't like it. I don't like it. And I just feel like we... Like, there's nothing that bothers me more than when someone is like, oh, I have a legit medical issue or emotional issue and someone's like, have you tried jasmine tea? I, yoga? like yoga? It makes my yeah. blood boil. So I want to give a big caveat that, like, in researching for this show, here are some of the things that I have yeah. found from actual you know, medical literature that says can be a good um, way to deal with it if you're feeling some of the symptoms of ADHD. But I want to say, like, it annoys the crap out of me when someone is like, oh, I'm dealing with, like, right. clinical depression. And they're like, have you tried yoga? Because right. I would never <laughs> and give and that advice. like,
2: hey, chemical solutions are also valid. Yes, so absolutely. I think, I think what we're trying to say here is... You know, if you feel like any of those questions resonate with you, if you feel like this is something you're really struggling with, do not do this alone. Totally. Like, go talk to a medical professional. But often, what medical professionals will tell you, according to our research, is that the focus isn't necessarily on curing yourself, but on finding what strategies effectively help you mitigate the negative impacts or manage right. your symptoms. And, and I think,
3: oh, sorry, no, well, that's okay. go ahead. I think for some people, it's it's Medication, medicine, right? For some people, it's therapy. For some People, it's meditation, like it, right? And any combination of those or something else is fine, right? Um, and so, some of the ways that they that they suggest. Our Mindful activities like yoga, meditation can often be helpful in terms of inducing calm and focus of the mind. Mm-hmm. Physical exercise has been shown to be extremely helpful in regulating mood, energy levels, and concentration. And there's also evidence to suggest that diet and nutritional supplements may have an impact on ADHD symptoms. Um, but as yet most studies um, are focused on children who are not really sort of like doing those things, right. um, that's just sort of... Something to, there's it. a
2: lot more research that we need totally. to have done, especially on millennial women or older women, totally. right? women in their 20s, 30s, and beyond who are integrating holistic solutions. Totally. And so I wait, think- I've got a question for you, yeah. Bridget. So when you decided to deal with these symptoms without medicine, like what coping mechanisms, uh, clearly meal cooking is definitely yeah. part of that, but like, have you found? Diet, exercise, meditation, any of those things therapy to be, to be integral to this? Yeah.
3: Um, so when I made the choice to, to wean off of, um, medication, really it was because as I was getting, this was, you know, in high school, this is when I was sort of getting more interested in the arts, particularly like, like writing and things Hmm. like that. And the medication I was on was very helpful, but I found it was very difficult to, um, feel like a, like a creative person. Like I've always felt very creative, but I felt like being on the medication was, had a, had a, had a great impact on me, um, in terms of being more organized and more focused, but it had a negative impact on me oh, feeling like I was like a creative person. And that's so, as I got older and got more interested in like the arts, writing, I knew I was heading to, to college and I knew I was going to be, you know, hopefully doing those things in college. I thought like, I really have to find a way to deal with this, that it's not just, um, there's not just medication. And again, there's nothing, there's no nothing shame in being on medication. Right. Like, it just wasn't, it just did not feel like a good way to cope. For me, and I also sort of thought, like, I didn't love the idea of being on medication for the rest of my life. And, right. it, and it started to seem like that was the direction you were heading at. And so, yeah, it was things like um, ther- therapy has been tremendously effective shout out to therapy um, shout out to therapy and also just like having a very very long term relationship with a great neurologist because I've had the same neurologist oh. since I was like eight years old and even when I was in college and not on medication right. we would still check in whenever I was home oh, and so like strange. just having that that person to talk through how I was feeling with um, you know and, and sort of also I mean like to be honest, knowing that I could go back on medication if that's if, if that was a choice. And right. so being able to really have this like arsenal of, of ways to cope was uh-huh. tremendously
2: helpful. Choices are nice to have. Yeah, aren't choices they? are nice to have. Choices and, are good. And, you and know, being personal with your solution exactly. is important. Because
3: there's no size there's no one size fits all mm. solution. I have a I have a very dear friend, um, Alison, who is just now been medicated for ADHD, and she is probably the funniest person that i know and she kind of makes she's like kind of professionally funny like yeah. she wants to be a comedy writer lives in chicago and when we talked about this i was like you know do you ever worry that that your medication is going to make you not funny anymore Ooh. and she was like i did but honestly it's only made me sharper more focused and so Interesting. it's inter- it's definitely
2: like your mileage may vary like it depends on <laughs>
3: your you know
2: your own body's reaction. Yeah. Also, our hormones change over time. Our, you know, neurology changes over time. So even what works for you in your twenties might not work for you. Afterwards. Totally. So it's something to, to think about. But I, I would hope that you know, if this episode resonates with you, if you are finding yourself feeling disorganized and cluttered and overwhelmed, and that overwhelm takes up a lot of mental chatter for you, um, to really consider, you know, taking your mental health care into your hands, as Bridget said, and making it a priority to go talk to someone about this, because it might not be you. It's not your personality necessarily. Like there are lots of ways in which anxiety, depression, and the symptoms that can also come with ADHD can really add a burden to your life. You might not need to shoulder. You don't
3: need to shoulder. And like, Again, if this sounds like you, you're not lazy, you're not stupid, you're not bad, you shouldn't I mean right. that's one of the things about ADHD is is the is the shame, shame. and stigma. Yeah. Like you're not a crappy human, you right. just you know, you have a, a medical disorder. Right. It's
2: like anything else. So take the time to to seek out professional help, see if that diagnostic works for you. And mental health professionals out there, let's update that diagnostic soon so we can make sure that unconscious bias based on research that's been dominated by men and boys doesn't creep in, um, and miss really important symptoms that show up differently for women. I think, I think that's pretty much what we had to say about ADHD. Oh Lord. You'd think by now I wouldn't say ADD, but that's where my brain goes right away. So if there's nothing else you take away, let's all stop saying ADD (laughs) along with me. And uh, we'd love to hear from you on this. So we would love to hear if this is something that resonates for you. If you recently got a diagnosis of ADHD, how are you dealing? How are you coping? How are you managing your symptoms? And let's make our conversation online a safe space where we can connect and we can share resources. And we want to really hear from you and your experience um, on, off medication, whatever has worked for you. We'd love to hear from you. So send us an email at momstuff at howstuffworks.com. Shoot us a tweet. We love to see what you have to say on Twitter at Mom Stuff Podcast. And as always, snap a photo, find us on Instagram cuz we love to chat with you there at Stuff Mom Never Told You. Dear Rocker Season 2 is a raw, honest, strange, and entertaining story about finding yourself in your early 20s
1: and a lifelong relationship with music. It's hosted by me, Chelsea Erson,
2: and is executive produced by Jake Brennan of Disgraceland. Dear Young Rocker comes to you from Double Elvis Productions and iHeartRadio. Listen to Dear Young Rocker on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.